Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grossick, and Russell Hanby, our regular What's Making News co-presenter, joins me again. Welcome again to um, What's Making News, Russell. Thanks, Henry. What a week it was and what a a day it is. I mean, we're living here in Australia, but uh, uh, we'd have to acknowledge that... um, our close friends over there in the USA, our political friends in America as well as personal friends, they're having their presidential election and it's an interesting election and we're all taking notice of it quite a bit over here in Australia, aren't we? That's right. All the television channels have got it, uh, many yeah. of them most of the day, haven't they? Yes. Yeah. So we're, we're certainly following it for a lot of reasons and... Um, the, we'll start with our first piece. The age, divided states, Trump vows to fight in court. Now, this is, uh, it shows you how rapidly things change. This was our morning newspapers. By early morning in the US, Biden was sitting on 238 electoral college votes, Trump on 213, with 87 still too close to call. To win the presidency, 270 electoral college votes are required. Now, I guess by the time this all goes to air, because it's pre-recorded, things will have changed considerably, but right now, uh, where are we? Because that was the early morning news here in Australia on Friday, <laughs> Thursday. Yes, and uh, even later I see Biden moved up to 264 and Trump on uh, 214, but it was still uh, some time ago. So uh, Biden seems to be closing up on the 270, but, uh, and of course uh, Trump uh, earlier said... Uh, on Wednesday night, I think, our time, there's a fraud on the American public, he said. He promised to petition the U.S. Supreme Court to stop the uh, the voting. Uh, and he's, in fact, challenging uh, mainly postal votes, I think, in at least three areas. So he's sort of taking it to the, the highest court in the land, isn't he? Yeah, look, that's an interesting one, Russ. I've done a bit of reading on it. And, you know, notwithstanding the fact that uh, we over here don't... Uh, don't understand uh, or America and, and their systems. We respect them, but we're, we're not as au fait with them as we are of our own. From what I can gather, <coughs> that uh, challenging things in the courts over these things is, is not something uncommon in America and it's not something of itself that ought to be regarded as sinister or whatever because uh, often that's part of the process as best as I can find out. Um, I, think, I think for me, the, for me, the bigger issue is the one of uh, the situation which is looking more and more likely that Joe Biden will win and uh, President Trump not accepting the decision and in the wash-up of taking it to the courts, uh, some of the, um, the language could be viewed as inflammatory and that the issue of a divided America spilling over into the streets even more in the days and weeks after the election. I think, I think the, the, the challenge for America is not so much who wins but how they bring their country together. Yes, that's right. As you say, uh, some of the language being made is sort of uh, saying, well, we're not going to accept, a, you know, we've won anyway sort of thing and uh, he'll fight it and that. So uh, it's it sort of, uh, it's been the American public turned out in exceptional numbers, apparently seven out of 10 to cast a vote. And uh, that's the highest turnout since 1908 as a, as a percentage. So uh, they're certainly voting one way or the other, aren't they? Well, 
Well, and I think, look, look, honestly, I think that's a good thing. The more people that vote, I mean, here in Australia, we have compulsory voting. So if you don't vote, you get fined. So we pretty much have just about everybody voting because you have to. Some don't like having to vote, but we all vote. So we take it for granted that you will vote. Um, over in countries like America, I think Britain, there's quite a few countries that um, compulsory voting is not the norm and so you've got to encourage people or they've got to be motivated enough to um, to vote. So I think it's, it's a good thing that the American people have increased their turnout. It means more people are taking an interest in their political process and leader and whoever they get more people it will represent more people at the ballot box that's right but as you say the worry is if it does it turn into some sort of violence isn't it, on the streets uh, it's, as a um, result yeah look i think i think that's the biggest worry um i mean look i can't speculate on how the courts will handle these things that's for the americans to work out uh, all i can echo is um what i have heard from some of the people from america is that uh they have confidence in their in their, in their court systems and uh, they believe that the democracy in America has lasted this long partly because they've got a very healthy um, legal system in terms That's of right. settling these sorts of disputes and, uh, you know, I don't know, I suppose there'd be some people who might not think that but uh, <laughs> at the end of the day it, it, that will be where it's decided. Um, it's and interesting that Biden does... It, I mean, it'll be a while since the president didn't get a second term won't it? Yes, if, yes. If, if that's what happens. It will, yes, because um, we've had at least two terms in recent times, haven't there been? Mm, and mostly, I think, as I can recall it, um, Jimmy Carter, he didn't get a second term in recent times. Uh, Jimmy Carter didn't. And um, uh, was it Lyndon Johnson, the other one, get a second term? I think Gerald, he did, didn't he? Yeah, Gerald Ford. There's a couple there. Oh, George Bush Sr. Some of them didn't stand a second time, but generally speaking, I think in modern times, uh, I know Jimmy Carter especially uh, did not get a second term. He got knocked off in the election. So it is generally you get a second term. Um, it's an interesting one. It's fascinating to be watching an election that matters to the whole world as well as to another country. Um and watching how it plays out, and uh, how it plays out, and yeah. this one's playing out. And I mean, he is an idiosyncratic person, uh, very much an individual. Donald Trump. Uh, it's playing out in a very idiosyncratic way, isn't it? The the whole process. We're now what um, a day after the 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 vote, a day and a half after the vote, and um, there's a lot of noise about. Was it fair? Was it a fraud? That's Will right. the courts We're, be the, involved? And apparently it goes up the, the courts. You don't go to the Supreme Court straight away. You, you go from the lower courts into the Supreme Court. There's a bit of a process involved, apparently. But uh, Yes. I, I read. And uh, I've heard that, uh, well, Trump tends to get apparently votes in rural areas and uh, Biden in cities and suburbs where the Democrats have come out in big numbers. And uh, another expert said that it's... Uh, could be a, a battle between the coronavirus on one hand for the Biden camp versus the economy, the Trump camp. And so there's a lot of issues involved in the whole thing, isn't there, this year? Look, there are issues. I think people sometimes, Russell, like to distill it into one thing or two. 
it's often more complex than that. Yeah, coronavirus pandemic has certainly had a big impact, I'm sure, on a lot of people's voting, uh, one way or the other, uh, because the whole debate, I mean, even in our own country, the coronavirus debate has been a very hotly contested issue. Uh, you've, you've, we've had over here uh, people getting very, very emotional about the fact that we've had lockdowns and serious restrictions. They believe that freedom and back to business is the way to go and then there's the other group the more cautious group who say no look we're starting with health and uh, we prefer the restrictions uh, to be in place as much as we don't like them so <laughs> it's a very polarizing they're very different people aren't they joe biden and donald trump in terms yes. of their their personalities at least that's right, yes. It's like chalk and cheese, isn't it, really? Absolutely. And uh, look, it's an important election because we've had four very, look, I think it'd be fair to say turbulent years and many surprising twists in the way um, America has, has, has been politically, internationally. Um, and uh, it'd be interesting to see the next four years. But I guess the next time we meet, we'll, we'll know the result of the... That's a week away. Some people say it could take weeks. Yeah, some people say it could take weeks. Counting so slow in some areas, isn't it? And, uh, and then the, uh, and the challenges that inevitably will flow. Yeah, so it may not be uh, cut and dried uh, as quickly as perhaps uh, people would like. No, well, people always want things done quickly. Um, at the moment, you'd probably say Biden's got his nose in front. Well, he, he appears to when you look at the latest numbers. Um, but... Uh, yeah. Who knows, Russell? Who knows, yes. Stranger things have happened, haven't they? Absolutely. world is a step closer. What's that all about? Well, Australia is a step closer to opening safely to the rest of the world after the federal government procured 50 million doses of two more COVID-19 vaccine candidates. And the government has bought 10 million units of Noravax vaccine and 40 million doses of the leading Pfizer and uh, BioNTech uh, BioNTech uh, candidate. They call them candidates, apparently. Um, also has deals with the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine and the University of Queensland and CSL candidate. So by spreading itself widely, they hope that uh, it'll if uh, one of the guarantees, uh, one of the vaccines proves successful, we've covered it by spreading the vaccine sources. What if they all prove um, effective? Um, could Is it possible that we could have Australians inoculated by a variety of vaccines? <laughs> It could Is be that possible? I don't, I don't know about that one. No, and I uh, hope that all Aussies will be vaccinated by the end of next year and a million of um, the most vulnerable but even by the end of this summer. So uh, the Prime Minister Morrison said that there are no guarantees the vaccines will prove successful and uh, Australia will be at the front of the queue and uh, it's, it's going to cost about $3.2 billion for this. Uh, there will be two protein vaccines, one what they call mRNA vaccine and one viral vector type. Sounds a bit complicated, but apparently that covers the, the whole range. The first to receive the vaccinations will be the frontline health and service jobs, followed by high-risk uh, categories like the elderly. So it looks like Australia is making sure we, we've got it all covered from all directions. Mm, no, look, you've got to give them credit there. I think uh, the Morrison government has certainly been in that regard very proactive, and uh, I think the vast majority of Australians can't wait until there's a safe vaccine out there and... Um, People will be wanting to get it. Uh, of course, <coughs> uh, that will be a great relief to us if, when, when and if that happens. Uh, but of course, as, as, as you noted in the article said, uh, 
going international is another thing because it might be all right for all of us to be vaccinated, but if the rest of the world uh, has got problems, uh, opening your borders to people coming in would be um, a risk that you really wouldn't want to take. That's right. And I think I heard you, they've got to have 75% uptake uh, of the vaccine to let this herd immunity take over. So uh, that's the figure they'd be looking at at least, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the the other issue is um, not everybody's that keen on it, are they? There are people yeah. running around who have got a lot of negative views about v- the anti-vaxxers, as we call that's them. Is that the ones? They're the ones, yes. Uh, there's several groups and uh, they'll, they'll be fighting against the uh, vaccination because it's not going to be a compulsory vaccination, but uh, they'll be probably demonstrating against it. Mm. Uh, and yet uh, it seems to be the only way to bring it down to permanently zero, isn't it? I mean, we've done very well this week with uh, lots of zeros, but uh, whether it'll stay that way is what we're hoping. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, when you look at all the great... Um, the great uh, protections that we've had against viruses, uh, poliomyelitis, tuberculosis, the list goes on and on, they've all been halted with effective vaccines, haven't they? They haven't been halted by anything else. No, and uh, going back into the late 18th and early 19th century, I think they started to introduce some of them, didn't they? Yeah, and look, somebody said, oh, but you might need more than one shot. And I said to this person, we're just having a discussion about it, they said, oh, what if it only lasts a a few months or a year? I said, well, I get the flu shot every year. Anyway, I mean, (laughs) you get another jab. We're used to that, I mean, you, you just get another jab, don't you? Isn't that what people do? I wouldn't well, have I thought so. that of itself was well, an argument a, not to be vaccinated. The fact you might, unless you became a pincushion and needed one every other day, and I don't think they'd <laughs> throw out a vaccine that every day you've got to go and have an injection. I think it, it, it would be tested to the point where you had some some resemblance of longevity. But uh, interesting, um, interesting where we'll head with that one. But at least if the vaccine comes... Australians will get um, fairly early vaccination, which I think from an Australian's point of view and my point of view and many people's point of view is a good thing. What's going on with um, our tech giants? Yes, uh, act now on tech giant media chiefs, uh, say. Uh, Australian media bosses are asking the federal government to urgently legislate a code to fight the market power of Google and Facebook amid concerns it's being delayed to accommodate the tech giants' demands. I think we mentioned this a bit last week about the uh, the, the fact that they're trying to bring in new regulations, didn't we? And uh, News, Corp, uh, News Corp Australia boss Michael Miller, he wants the code to be implemented in the next eight weeks to allow for future financial certainty for, for news outlets. Now, the legislation will force Google and Facebook to pay media companies for use of their news content. Up to now, they haven't had to pay anything. Uh, Mr. Miller wants the ACCC solution between the tech giants and the media outlets to be acted on as soon as possible. And at the moment, Treasury is working with the government to finalise the wording. Now, the proposal, what from the point of view of uh, Facebook and Google, it doesn't take into account the value that they provide news outlets through what they call brand exposure and referral traffic. So uh, there's a bit of a consultation going on by Treasury at the main between all the parties. Yes, look, it's interesting, isn't it? Place these massive tech companies, Google and Facebook, they they crop up not always for the the best reasons, do they? 
No, they've had a few uh, people worried too about the privacy and uh, and everything. And of course, we've all heard about these third-party things. In fact, well, it's a whole internet thing, isn't it? If you if you go looking for something on, say, eBay, you, you find in your Facebook feed the next day what more or less items similar to what you were looking for. Mm, have, you, have you noticed that? Yes, yes. Oh, yes. You've look. It's great. They're great platforms, but. I guess it's like a lot of things, Russell, isn't it? Um, people take advantage of it <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't know. Um, but the other thing is they're so powerful when they get so big. How do you take them on? That's right, yes. It's a, a David and Goliath situation in many cases. Mm, but we certainly want them acting. They're such an important part of modern technology and our modern communication that we certainly want them all acting in ways that we're, we're all pretty comfortable with. Russell, you don't take baby milk, do you? No, not anymore, no. Haven't for some years, actually. Long have you, can you remember taking it? No, I can't. I <laughs> Go for it. Oh, well, formula health risk. Uh, this is from the Herald Sun. Uh, toddler milk formulas are expensive, lack nutritional value, and are potentially harmful to young children, a new report has found. Now, this isn't the baby formula designed for newborns where uh, they have it instead of breast milk. This is for toddlers uh, one year Plus, old and up. Yep. Uh, and uh, it's four times more expensive than normal milk. Apparently, it works out to be a dollar to a serve compared with 26 cents. And uh, Victorian Health uh, Chief Officer uh, Sandro DeMeo says uh, toddler milks contained more sugar and had less protein and calcium than regular milk and uh, says if children consume these toddler products, they won't have a chance to develop healthy eating habits that are vital for a long, healthy and happy life. Uh, researchers found some products contain up to eight gram more sugar per 200 ml serve than fresh milk, adding up to 60 teaspoons more sugar a month. Um, Sandra DeMeo says digital advertising and on-pack claims say that the products are essential for their child's health, which would immediately get pa parents thinking, oh, well, we better get onto this. Uh, researchers looked at 88 toddler yogurts as well and snacks, many costing more than regular non-toddler products such as fruit. And in fact, some fruit snacks have up to four times more sugar than fresh fruit. So the old sugar in the, uh, the so-called health foods uh, raises its head again. I know. It's um, interesting. You're paying more for an inferior product that uh, really doesn't appear to have, and that's done in Vic Health, which is a credible organisation. Uh, you'd expect that research would stack up, wouldn't you? You would indeed. Uh, and so uh, I hadn't heard too much about these toddler milks myself, but uh, apparently they're all the go and uh, they're, they're not too uh, healthy for people. No, and you're very it. fortunate you're no longer a toddler. <laughs> that's right, yes. <laughs> I, 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 you could be I, tempted. I, <laughs> I think I left that about uh, three score and ten years ago, you know. Yeah. That long ago? Something, yes, that's right, yes. You sure it wasn't four score? Minus no, five? Not, no, not yet, no. <laughs> <laughs> We've still got no, three I... score and ten. Yes, no, it is. But it's interesting <laughs> how people can be sucked in. Three score and ten, that's 70. That's 70, score. yes. Did, did, when you went to school all those years ago, did you still talk of language in scores? Yes. Uh, well, we, in our tables we did. I remember we had to know yeah. what, what a score was, three score and ten. And, and even I think on the back of the tables of exercise, which was grosser, we never did bushels and pecks. We didn't got uh, – that was a bit before my time. Did, but, uh, did you do furlongs? 
Yes, yes, What's, eight furlongs to the mile. Yes, eight furlongs to the mile. Um, when you talk to some of the young people today and you go furlong, they go, what do you mean? They have no idea what a furlong is. No. What, what about a rod? A rod? No, I didn't do rods. No, we had uh, chains, though. Uh, and, it's a chain, uh, 20, yeah, 20, 22 yards. Yeah, and that was the cricket pitch, wasn't it? Uh, Correct. 22, yeah. yeah, a cricket pitch is a chain long, and you go chain. 22. It's amazing. And of course, we had the old pound and pence, which was rather hard mathematically to multiply up because you had to carry over uh, the different amounts, oh, didn't you? Like, yeah. And those were the days we didn't have calculators and computers. We had to multiply no. pence. And halfpennies. Right. Remember a halfpenny? Yeah, uh, yes, a halfpenny. Yeah. My sister in law gave me a, uh, well, she went away overseas and got a, as a, a souvenir a, an Australian halfpenny in, in, in a key ring, sort yeah. of embossed in the key ring, which I. Still have. You know, it sounds almost a foreign language when you talk to young people today in terms of money. I can remember yeah. we went to school and you'd go to the canteen with a Zach and you'd yeah. buy something, you'd get a Dina back, wouldn't you? And then <laughs> and if, you, if you were really lucky, you had two bobs. <laughs> and, and, and remember the, the Christmas puddings used to have thrippany bits in them. Thrippany bits, that? yeah, thrippany bits. Uh, and apparently I heard later that the, the new coins, the silver coins, weren't safe to uh, even boil up and put in. Uh, That's right. The, yeah. And now I had a little bit of homework. Have we got time? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, have you? What's your homework? Skiving off. What? What? what yeah, what is there? Of, you should have read this the beginning. You should have just well, jumped well, in. Well, <laughs> well, skiving off, it is pronounced skiving, uh, and it's uh, to not go to school, work, etc. when you should. It's easy to exaggerate an illness in order to skive off at work. Like we always used to skive off PE classes if we could. Well, funny that because maybe I'm younger than you, but we used to wag school. We never skived school. No, no. You skived, I wagged. And, and uh, also to leave work early. Okay, it can also be, be to skive <laughs> off. And the origin could be from the late 19th century, probably from the French esquiver, meaning to slink away. That makes sense, doesn't it? Slink esquiver. away. Yes. yes. E-S-Q-U-I-V-E-R. Literally, the meaning is to split or cut like leather into layers or slices or as or to shave, as in hides, animal hides. And so you can see how, I suppose, it became splintering off from uh, your, your responsibilities. And you've just given yourself homework for next week based on your explanation of skiving off coming from that old French word. What do you think your homework is for next week? Uh, I'm not sure. So, something to do with wagging, is yes. it? Yes. Now, yeah. where did wagging become known as a form of skiving? <laughs> right. Uh, do you think it, is it typically Australian? That, I'll find all that out. Yes, yeah. I think it might be typically Australian. Uh, wagging school, because you think of a, ta- a dog wagging its tail, don't you? Or wag yes. your finger, you know, but yeah. wagging school... Skyving? That's right. Oh, Russell, you, you're, a, you're, a, you're a font of information and a man of immense, in, immense uh, enthusiasm for homework. I, I have trouble keeping up with you. Well, look, I'll let, I'll let you go. That's it. Okay. Uh, skive off. For the odd, skive no off. for the odd spot? Yes, no. you better read it out. Yes, we've, okay. we've, we've gone over time, but don't worry, we got carried away. Uh, Anton Nguyen emerged unscathed from a Brisbane house fire yesterday after his pet parrot, Eric, woke him in the middle of the night shouting, Anton, Anton, before the smoke alarms went off. The blaze gutted the Kangaroo Point home and Mr Nguyen said he was lucky to escape uninjured after Eric raised the alarm. I heard a bang and Eric started to yell, so I woke up and I smelled a bit of smoke, he said. Everything's all right, so long as I have myself... (laughs) 
and the bird. <laughs> oh, well, it's, that's a heartwarming story. It is, a nice one to end on. Yeah, and the bird couldn't skive off, I guess, because it was in a cage, probably. In a cage, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Russell, I'll let you wag off and tell us what wagging means in the context of uh, disappearing from work, as it's, it's very commonly talked in terms of wagging school, isn't it? Yes, More than I any have other one. Interesting yeah. one, that one. And yes, yes thank wag- you. Sorry? I was going to say, wagging has been around for years and years, hasn't it, in yeah. schools? And Did that? you ever yeah. wag school? No, I don't think I did. I did. Really? No. I did, did you? Right? Yeah, I got caught. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I won't go into the consequences of being caught, but it was no. not a, it was not pleasant. I didn't okay. wa- I only wagged once. <laughs> I wigged the next time. <laughs> oh, whatever. Okay, you take care and we'll see you next week. Right, look forward to it. Russell Hanby listeners. Yes. Well, that's interesting. Skiving off and wagging. In one and the same thing. And Russell's such a great uh, guy, he'll uh, find that out for us. We'll take a short break. Don't go away.